your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wideouts to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills spins away. He's got 40, 45. has been a man today here in Lincoln. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Austin Orman. Thank you. Friday night edition of Sports Nightly on the air. Four-hour show, right? Four hours, that's what we're doing? No, three hours? Sorry, I just I keep getting mixed up, just like Tom Brady gets his downs mixed up. <laughs> How about that? Man. You expect it from, from Blake Bortles. You don't expect it from Tom Brady. I'm just glad they didn't give him a fifth down. That's, that's what I'm most happy about. The, the funny and ironic part is it was, what, like 15 minutes before that, he was just getting after, I think it was his O-line, and, um, you know, getting in everybody, you know, doing, the, doing the, the leadership thing on the sideline, and then he forgets how many downs there are. You know, that's – Look, I don't know that this is ever going to matter. I really don't, but not a good look. Not a good look. Tim, you care to come on in his defense here? Did you, did you see what happened last night? I saw what happened. Uh, you guys are, are trying to uh, crucify my boy for no reason. As his head well, coach, it's not for no reason. As his head coach pointed out in the postgame, uh, Tom knew there were – uh, uh, it was four downs that already expired. Um, and so, look, let's let's. There's not, no possible way you can believe is, that he, after watching that, right? What I believe is that Tom Brady is the goat, and you're you're you're, you're trying to disparage him uh, <laughs> in this moment is is unfounded and frankly uncalled for. The only po- okay. the only positive way to spin this is that Tom was trying to tell you what play just happened, not what he thought exactly. was going to come. But that's look, not what happened. Tom well, there, okay, if if that was the case, he wouldn't have stayed on the field for like 30 seconds after the what was the supposed fourth down play. He's right? just soaking it in. He's just making soaking sure. Soaking in the loss. He's using this to fuel him, and he will destroy all his haters as Tampa Bay Chargers to a Super Bowl win. Uh, okay. You can hear it here first. Man. Put it in stone. Now, look, here's the deal. I, uh, I, I, I wanted to take that shot to poke fun at Tim because, <laughs> you know, wh- why not? Um, I don't know – I don't know that that affected the game too much. Here, here, here's the only reason that it would have is I don't know that he that he makes that throw 30 yards down the field on what was it fourth and five, fourth and two maybe I don't know fourth and short Manageable. fourth and medium. Yeah. Um, if if he if he knows it's his last down, I don't know that with the way that that game had progressed and the way that things had unfolded, the way that Tampa Bay was running their offense, that he takes that shot downfield to Cameron Brait of all people on fourth down. So, was it the worst mistake in the world? Probably not, but I think Tom Brady makes a better decision if that's fourth down. I don't think he tries to fit that ball in that window, maybe hope for a flag with the game on the line. Right, I totally agree. I mean, we, we think Tom Brady's smarter than that. He's proven that he has been before. Cameron Braid, of all people, yeah, probably not. You know, I'd like to say it's all those hits maybe finally taking effect on Tom, but we all know he doesn't get hit. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, who knows what it was. Not, not a great decision, but the worst decision – was the Bears play calling the drive before they gave Tampa so much time there he shouldn't have even been in that position to begin with yeah that was it was puzzling that that entire last few minutes was uh was confusing but congratulations to the uh the Chicago Bears on on a win that I didn't think was going to happen um and and they did they they got it done 
He's Austin Norman. I'm Ben McLaughlin. You also heard from Tim Curran on the ticker. You've got us tonight. Greg is he's out of here. He is he is taken off for the evening, taking a long weekend, um, and and actually is enjoying some some golf right now with some some fellow Big Ten brethren. And it sounds like the golf went pretty well today for Sharpie, which is a good thing because I know uh, you know that that could sour a man's mood. You know, one bad golf round. So. He's out of here. You're stuck with us for the next three hours, but we do have a loaded sports nightly tonight here. Coming up this hour, just a few minutes, we'll chat with Nebraska quarterback Luke McCaffrey. was able to talk with him yesterday, met with members of the media, and this is a hot name right now around Husker football. I think Adrian Martinez is expected to be the starter, and we're all expecting Adrian Martinez to run out there with the first snap against Ohio State, but Luke's done a great job pushing number two um, in that position and, and making it a quarterback battle. We'll hear from Luke and uh, just everything that, that surrounded his offseason and what he learned last year in his first year of the program. We'll go around the Big Ten tonight with the Indiana Hoosiers. Our good friend Zach Osterman from the Indy Star will stop by. We'll talk some Hoosier football. little bizarre, uh, Austin. You've got two pretty prominent members of the Hoosiers in recent years, probably would be captains this year. Um, but they both decided to transfer. Two of them did. Peyton Ramsey is going to be the starting quarterback at Northwestern, and Coy Cronk will be a starting tackle at Iowa. I mean, we, we'll talk about J.D. Spielman a little bit tonight, but, you know, we, none of us wanted him to go to a Big Ten school. Imagine if, you know, let's just say a quarterback, in this case Adrian Martinez and, like, Brendan Hymas both left and play for schools in the Big Ten. I don't know that I could get over that. I, I really don't. No, that's that's such a, a, you know, a little bit of slap in the face to Tom Allen. Indiana had a really solid year last year. I think they're building something. And I know Peyton Ramsey got passed on the depth chart by Michael Penix Jr., who was pretty solid last year. But still a really respected voice in that locker room, a guy that Peyton, in Peyton Ramsey that had played some good football and had a role on that team if Michael Penix got banged up, as he did a little bit. And Coy Cronk, too, along that offensive line, maybe he just – thought he could prove his skills better at Iowa that's better known than Indiana for developing his skills but yeah if you're Nebraska and you think about the guys in those positions as Adrian Martinez and Brendan Hymas that's darn near program crushing like those are two proven commodities for the most part you know what you're going to get Brendan Hymas an NFL talent Adrian looking to have a bounce back year yeah that would be absolutely crushing now Indiana does have some some skill position guys returning as I'm sure Zach will touch on but man those are two big losses for the Hoosiers yeah, at least, I mean, for nothing else, depth purposes. But those are two guys that had played a lot of football for uh, for the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Coming up in hour two of the program, we'll go through our top 25 picks. There's a lot of games with top 25 teams to get to, including uh, the Red River Showdown, uh, which is happening this week between Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, in hour number two, we'll continue some NFL chatter with our friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. In hour three of the show, uh, Tim will run through our weekend preview, uh, what's on the docket this week in sports, and we'll have the best of sports nightly this week put into one segment by our own Josh Hilkman with our weekend review and hand out some winners and losers tonight on the show as well. 866-HUSK, excuse me, that's the old number. 531-500-4686 is the number. It took Gray like two weeks to throw out the old number. I'm 0 for 1. Not a great percentage. Not a great start. But, hey, we'll, we'll try and get her straightened out as the, uh, as the hour progresses. Give that number again, 531 531- 54686. That's our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience a difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Feel free to give us a shout. 
via call, via text. We are with you for the next three hours of the show. We'll step aside for our first break, and when we come back, we'll dive into some Husker football, particularly the quarterback position with Nebraska redshirt freshman quarterback Luke McCaffrey. That's coming up next on Sports Nightly. 531-546-86, the number to get into the program here tonight. That doubles as our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Welcome back, Sports Nightly. Just off and running here on a Friday night. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Thanks to everybody spending part of your evening here with us. Yesterday, was privileged enough to have a few minutes to chat with Nebraska quarterback Luke McCaffrey and just started out that conversation by asking him, what it felt like to be worried about what's plays being called in the huddle and what's happening at practice as opposed to what rumor to track down and actually have football practice back before his eyes. It feels incredible. It's, it's nice. It's, it's exciting and liberating at the same time. So we, we can't wait until we can finally put it on against another team. I know they always tell you, you know, ever since probably in high school, you know, treat every game and every practice like it's it's your last. But what type of feeling is it now, knowing everything we've been through the last six months, putting on those pads, and what type of approach you have to maybe every workout, every practice, every film session that, that you know you're preparing for a game that we didn't know was going to happen? Yeah, throughout all this, that, that analogy probably came a little more true than I could ever imagine. We, we never knew if it would be our last practice, if it would be our last uh, lift of the year. So going forward, we have that mentality. We're, we're just going to work our hardest, and, and whatever happens is, is, uh, is our best. Luke, I'm used to talking to, to you players throughout the calendar year, so I, I kind of get a sense of how things are going. That hasn't been the case. You guys have been all over the place. You've been home. You've been isolated. You've been, um, you, you know, we haven't had a chance to hear from you. And, and, and one of the things that I've gathered talking to you and, and a couple of your teammates, you know, the last week or so is that this, 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 this experience really brought you guys closer together as a team. What, what was it about this experience and this craziness of an offseason that's really going to help you guys on Saturdays? Definitely. Uh, everything was crazy, and, and through that all, it, it brings out who the leaders on our team are. And, and we had some guys step up, like Matt Forniak, Brendan Hymas, to name a couple, who who really helped bring the team together and make sure everybody's working out. I saw Diedrich Mills has been here forever. And through this, we have to get creative. Not everything can be relied on the staff and, and on things going around here. So we really had to build together as a team to think of creative ways that we were allowed to do simple things like work out. And so so through that, it brings us closer as friends, as teammates, and most importantly, as people looking for the same goal. Luke, when we were going through this kind of hiatus, I'm sure you had a lot of time to reflect on on last season. And and really, to be honest, you haven't really had a normal a normal set of circumstances yet while you're on campus with the injuries to, to Adrian and Noah last year and playing wide receiver at times. And you, you haven't really had any normalcy yet. Uh, what, when you think about last year and everything that you learned, what, what, what was the biggest takeaway you had about what college football was all about, but more importantly, what, what Coach Frost was going to ask you to do to help this football team uh, one of the biggest things is to just keep moving forward you know I don't, I don't like to hone in on last year too much what, whatever happened in the past has happened and getting that experience is something that that is great and to bring into the future is incredible but this year is a new team it's a new environment and and we're excited to just strap it on and see what see what we can do the coaches have, have talked a lot about the camp that you and Adrian have had and competing with one another and I know 
you know, you guys make each other better. But what is it about Adrian as a quarterback and as a person that that you really appreciate and you lean on maybe when you're not having your best day, you're not as motivated, you know, we're human. We got good and bad days. It's like everybody else. What is it about Adrian that, that provides comfort for you? There's a lot. Ever since I got here, I'm so blessed to have, have a leader, have a guy ahead of me who, who can really take me in, take me under his wing. And so ever since I got here, he's helped teach me the offense, helped get me connected with everybody on the team. And so just to have a guy who, who's so well-rounded like Adrian is something that, that is a blessing as a, as a younger guy. And so to have him here, I've been thankful for since I got here. It's going to be funny, man. The older that you get, the, 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 the more that this conversation, that question I just asked you is going to translate to you being the older guy. That can already kind of be the case with Logan. What's it been like, you know, knowing a, a young man is we're at where you just were a year ago and he's looking to you just like you looked up to other quarterbacks a year ago? Yeah, it's great. If I can do half as much as Adrian and some of the older guys that were here last year did for me to help help improve and, and help grow as a person, then I would be happy. I, I would feel good as a person. But uh, to watch Logan come in and be able to run the offense efficiently and to, to make some plays is something that's really cool. It's, it's, it's nice watching somebody younger be able to do that. Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska quarterback with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Luke, I know the off season for, for a lot of your teammates is all about hitting the weights, putting on weight, getting more agility, you know, doing all those things that are required. It's a little bit different as a quarterback. I know some of those things probably still apply, but for you, what was your focus this offseason with Coach Duvall and how you wanted to maybe change your body, but at the same time still do the things that offensively that you're you're being asked to do? Yeah, Coach Duvall and Coach Stroud both helped a lot with with gaining some weight but maintaining speed and so that's something that in this offense in this conference and and at this school is very vital is being able to maintain that quick twitch while also being able to pack a punch and so that's something that we've all been working on Luke when you look at some of the dynamics that that are changing from last year to this year one of them is is a new offensive coordinator with coach Lubick tell us a little bit about getting to know him again I hate to keep harping on it but the circumstances this offseason you can't just walk into his office and get to know him like you would you would have been able to last year but what's this process been like for you getting to know him and what his philosophies are and how he's going to help us it's been great he's going to help a ton so far he's he's done a very good job of all around, not only with the receivers, but with the entire offense, having an application of detail into our offense and being able to really hone in on the specifics while maintaining that physical attitude and that that physical edge. Luke, what we haven't had a chance to really get to know him yet, but what's his personality like? You know, you're in a meeting room with him and he's explaining stuff. How how would you explain him and and kind of you know to, to somebody that's never met him? Uh, the the best way to explain it is just excited. He's he's a guy who loves to loves to be around the game and loves football as a whole. The best example uh, that comes to mind is every time a, a play works, he's the first guy on film on the tape you can see with his arms up excited. So so he's excited when things work. You know, he, he's a creative mind and, and something that, that's very beneficial to, to our program. Talking with Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska quarterback here on Sports Nightly. Luke, I'm, I'm sure one thing that, that you've probably noticed throwing some passes to your teammates, you, you, have, you have some bigger bodies to throw to now. I mean, it's, it's probably easy to notice 6'4", six, 6'5", six, out there. How, how would you characterize uh, your receiving core and how much it's changed from last year to this year and, and how much improvement you've seen from, from the guys you're throwing balls to? 
Oh, there's a there's a lot of improvement. Some of that has to do with Coach Lubick. A lot of it has to do with some of the individuals too. It's nice to see some young guys like Alante Brown and and guys like that step up. Will Nixon was doing really well, but uh, along with that, we have the combination of Cade Warner and uh, and Wandell, some guys like that who who are experienced and coming back. And so that that mixture of the young young up-and-coming guys with the the veterans who have maybe already proved themselves a little bit is something that's exciting it's it's something that's going to be dangerous and and i'm excited to see how we can mix that in and get get everyone the ball and and get our weapons in space as a quarterback it's important to to have good relationship with those receivers and coach frost talked a lot last year about you know being on the same page with the wide receivers making sure you know receivers are getting open what does that mean to you and how do you approach that of of building that relationship that rapport with wide receivers and you know knowing knowing when to throw the ball in and out of breaks all that type of stuff that's required to to make a connection work yeah, that's one of the details with with such a weird off season. We got more one on one work with each other, and so that timing, that that anticipation that comes with playing the game was really evolved from Cade Warner getting the receivers and the quarterbacks all meeting together and being able to throw one on one talk talk over routes and be able to really detail those so that that when we get into the game and into practice scenarios, we can apply those details. Luke, I'll let you go with this one. You talked a little bit earlier in the press conference about some time that you got with your family, and and to me that that that, that spoke pretty loudly. You know, you've, your brothers are all over the country playing football. Your dad played football his entire career. Your mom's been supporting the football players, you know, for probably as long as she can remember. That time home when when you and and Dylan and and Connor and you know your dad, what, what, when you think back to that time, what what truly stands out about about that time that you're able to spend at home and you know, and even just not talking football with your brothers, just about life and uh, and how important that was to you being being in Lincoln now. Just that relationship that gets to be built while while being around somebody twenty four seven is huge. That's something that since I was little have kind of lacked with my brothers. We we've always had constant communication, but being able to be around each other and and understand each other to a to a higher level is something that that was so valuable and, and I cherished it while it was happening and and I look back and cherish it now but I, I'm so thankful for being able to build stronger relationships with my brother along with learn from him that that's something that was huge when it comes to football is just seeing how how each of my brothers act how they all do things and how how they handle their work it, it was something that's inspiring Okay, well, I'm sure I'm asking for for the entire state listening right now. What is a a typical dinner with all the McCaffrey boys at a dinner table like? What are the conversations that are that are typically being thrown around a dinner table? It's it's usually pretty uh, pretty normal what you would expect, (laughs) and then one person starts an argument, and and the whole thing goes downhill. (laughs) Where uh, it doesn't even have to be about anything important, but but they're all so competitive that that somebody's always right, and so so that that's probably one of the most fun things that can happen. <laughs> oh God, I can only imagine what a what a, what a, a family monopoly game at Christmas time turns into <laughs> at the McCaffrey household. I'm sure it's just something to behold. Luke, it's great to hear from you, man. It's great to hear you're doing well. I know your body's in great shape hearing from your coaches. Um, I'm sure it's exciting to be out there on the practice field. We're about two weeks from game time, man. Get, get that um, offensive playbook down and look forward to seeing you out there at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Thanks a lot for the time today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska redshirt freshman quarterback. Really cool listening to him talk about his brother Christian, of course, all pro running back. 
number one running back in all of football right now uh, down for the Carolina Panthers uh, injured right now but will come back uh, I'm sure stronger than ever really appreciate Luke joins us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline bringing you more choices and brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse we're back to go around the Big Ten talking some Indiana football next Sports Nightly Friday Night Edition Welcome back. Ben McLaughlin with you. Appreciate everybody dialing us up and uh, spending part of your evening with us here on a Friday night throughout, well, of course, with a few-month hiatus thanks to the Big Ten calling off their season. We are now on the back half of a series that we like to call Around the Big Ten. Tonight, we take a look around the Big Ten Conference. Brought to you by Sinclair Oil Gasoline and Oil Products. Fill up your life and your vehicle with DinoCare, Sinclair's top-tier gasoline. Fields, looks, throws, middle of the field, toward the end zone, touchdown, Olave! 27 yards, 20, 10, touchdown! Touchdown, Illinois! He dodges a guy at the one and jumps into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! Stanley to a Smith Marsh 20, Cone to the 10, Cone to the 5, Cone, touchdown, Wisconsin! Tonight. Ronnie Walker's back in in the backfield. Here's the snap. Penix fakes the handoff, looks downfield, fires it to the end zone, and is caught! Watt Fillier makes the catch! Touchdown, Indiana! The Indiana Hoosiers. And it is time to talk Indiana Hoosier football with our good friend Zach Osterman from the Indy Star about two weeks away from kickoff man give us a sense of uh what what the flavor's like in bloomington what are the fans what are the media saying about this uh, 2020 version of the hoosiers you know it's obviously been a strange off season for everybody um i think there's been a level of excitement around this team for a while they won eight games last season uh went to the gator bowl and returned really the vast majority of their production from last season to this one obviously a couple of you know, noticeable departures, but by and large, Indiana's, you know, pretty solid kind of across the board offense and defense in terms of experience and and kind of proven production. But now you, you know, you you pare down a schedule that opened with Wisconsin, but then gave you a a legitimate path to maybe five and one, maybe even six and one hosting Penn State on Halloween night with one that opens with Penn State, you know, still includes the, the road trip to Ohio State, still includes the road trip to Wisconsin. Um, and so I think I think fans are excited while also understanding that realistically, you know, what maybe looked like it was going to be kind of a shoot-the-moon season potentially for Indiana, you know, nine wins, something like that. You know, now I think it's um, – I think it's, it's possible that it's much more sort of, um, you know, fans hoping, hey, four and four would be a good season, five and three, would, which of course would involve at least – probably at least one significant upset – uh, I think would would be very you know kind of satisfying to them. So it's I think more, more than anything else, I think everybody's just happy to be talking about football again. Happy to be thinking about football and and you know obviously basketball coming after that. That's a great point that you bring up about the shift in schedule. And I don't know that there are many around the league that that had a projected outlook change as much as Indiana has to me the interesting thing in studying the Hoosiers this offseason Zach is is kind of what you said the returning starters coupled with kind of that underdog mentality that Indiana loves to play with under coach Allen no matter what they've had on their roster in the past 
they, they always love playing for him, at least is what it seemed like in Lincoln. When you pair the roster that they had, or they bring back, I should say, with, with a lot of the talent, a lot of the proven players and parts that you mentioned, with that kind of mentality that Coach Allen coaches with, what, what could that result to on the field? Has there been a season quite like it where you have that blend of, of both ingredients? You know, I mean, I, I don't think, even if you're just talking kind of pure talent, Plus experience. I don't think Indiana's had a team like this certainly since at least 2007 uh, when they went seven and five. And if you kind of look back through their schedule, probably should have won a couple more games that season. You, you may even really have to go, you know, far back to the early 90s, kind of when Bill Mallory was was at his peak in in uh, Bloomington. Um, and you know, again, listen. Indiana is always going to have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State on its schedule. All it takes is to draw, you know, Wisconsin or Iowa, and you probably have as tough of a, a slate as, as anybody in the conference. But I do think there's, you know, there's a confidence in this team. I think it's worth saying that, you know, uh, there were – it was kind of raised toward the end of last season. Indiana didn't beat a team with a winning record. But it's also worth pointing out there's a couple teams in Indiana's schedule that would have finished with winning records if not for Indiana. Yeah. Indiana also won a lot of close games. You know, obviously the close game at Nebraska also won against Maryland, won in double overtime against Purdue. And so you sort of feel like for years, coach after coach in Bloomington, uh, you know, at, at the sort of baseline cultural intangible level has been trying to, to find a way to build a culture where guys just understand what it takes to win. You know, the, those those little things that add up. Um, and you do, you know, one season alone doesn't kind of, you know, change years and years of history. But I also think if you're Indiana, it would be fair to say, well, this is three bowls in five years, you know, the potential for a fourth bowl this year in, in six years, you know, five of the, five wins in the last seven against Purdue. That's one of the best runs Indiana's had in that series ever. Um, and, you know, a roster that, that quietly has really taken – a substantial leap forward in overall talent, I would say, in the last three or four seasons, in no small part because of Tom Allen's ability to recruit and develop guys that, as you said, I think just buy into his messaging, his way of doing things. Maybe it wouldn't work for everybody everywhere, but Indiana's done a good job of finding people that really believe in it here, I think. No question. Zach Osterman from the Indy Stars, our guest here on Around the Big Ten, talking Indiana I love this offense, man. I love the parts. Um, they, they had their way with Nebraska last year in Lincoln, particularly Watt Fillier that particular day. I think he caught 68 passes that, that afternoon in Lincoln, uh, somewhere around that neighborhood. But I, I like the parts. I mean, Penix obviously back. Stevie Scott's a tremendous running back, proven running back. I love Hendershot at tight end. And even Freifogel is a complimentary to Fillier. When you look at this offense – Seems pretty multidimensional when you look at it with a lot of different weapons. When when this offense is at its best, what's it supposed to look like? You know, I think probably a lot of what it looked like last season. Um, you know, Indiana talks about running the ball more and more effectively. You know, count me among those that think, hey, if they can do it, they'll be happy to do it. But, you know, I think they've gone 12th, 7th, 12th, and Tom Allen's three seasons in rushing yards per game in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, this is more, I would say, of an offense that kind of buys into a lot of the modern concepts of, you know, of kind of offensive football and college football, spread the field, uh, you know, find good athletic playmakers, get the ball to them quickly in space. You bring up Watt Fillier. I think another name people may become more familiar with as the season wears on is David Ellis, who had a very, very good game replacing Fillier 
uh, when Fillier got injured at Penn State last year and is a similar kind of player, a little bit different, you know, sort of physical traits, but a similar sort of player to Fillier. Um, I think that the biggest questions for Indiana are going to be, number one, you know, how deep can you get your offensive line? they got three starters back. you got both tackles in the center. So you feel good about kind of the guts of that line. And you've got, you know, third, fourth, fifth-year players competing for jobs at guard. So I think you're going to feel good about kind of your front five. Can you develop depth behind that, number one? Because whatever my skepticism about the running game, as we all know, there's, there's just going to be times where you have to be able to run the ball up the middle and you have to be able to kill off games and, you know, kind of put together drives that, that just sort of take the game away from a defense. And with guys like Stevie Scott and Samson James, you've got the personnel at running back to do it. Can the offensive line kind of mesh with that? And then the other big piece, I mean, I, I think – Personally, Michael Penix could be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, not named Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. But you do have to answer the question of, of whether or not he can stay healthy. Um, you know, two years ago, a bit of a freak injury with the torn ACL, just kind of an awkward play. But last year was a little bit more of a, you know, hey, you need to get bigger, need to get stronger, need to, you know, kind of learn how to absorb hits better and things like that because it was a lot more of just kind of the wear and tear injuries that – had him in, a, in and out of the lineup and then, you know, finally ended his season. So I think that's maybe the biggest question because if Pinnock can stay healthy all year, I think Indiana's got a chance to be very, very good offensive. On the other side of the ball, I think, you know, anybody that's watching Indiana play knows that one of the heartbeats of that defense is Marcelino Ball. A guy's just all over the place. When, when, when this defense – uh, is kind of put together with the makeup. And I know they had some, some young guns, uh, you know, having to, to step in in major roles last year, thinking of Taiwan Mullen at corner. I had to play a lot of snaps. When you look at this defense this year, they, they do have a, a fair amount of parts back. But where do they need to make the most strides from last year to this year to, to result in a couple of those wins that you were talking about earlier? Well, I think, you know, the first one is is how you replace Marcelino Ball, obviously. Um, you know, he tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago. And the guy that they'll slot in behind him, Bryant Fitzgerald, has played a lot of football. Indiana actually intended for him to play that hybrid Husky position and then felt like they weren't going to get him on the field enough because Ball was so durable. So they kicked him back to safety. Um, he's played a lot there. Now he moves back down to Husky. That was planned even before the injury. Um, you know, you still feel good with Brian Fitzgerald starting there, but one of the things I've said is is the secondary, Indiana's secondary is the strength of its defense, and one of the big strengths of Indiana's secondary is its depth. And you just don't want to be eating into that depth in significant ways already. Um, so I think I think if you're, if you're IU, you still feel good about where you are in the secondary, but you don't want to see – you don't want to lose such a big piece, a team leader, I think a, a probable captain so early on uh, because it takes a really talented player out of that group. And it also means that, you know, one of the great strengths of that secondary is diminished. Um, you know, in terms of scheme or I guess performance, if you'd say, Indiana's got to get better rushing the passer only needing four or five guys. And, and, I, and that doesn't mean they got to lead the big 10 in sacks. Um, but, you know, it, it, when you think back really to the games Indiana lost last year, and I think one of the big ones that really stands out for me is the Michigan game. You know, by the second half of that game, Indiana kind of battled to stay in it, but just couldn't physically match Michigan uh, at the line of scrimmage going either direction. And so by the second half of that game, Indiana's in zero coverage, asking safeties to, you know, match up against NFL draft picks in the yeah. slot one-on-one. -on -one because they got to bring six or seven just to get Shea Patterson on the move, just to get him a little uncomfortable on the other side of the ball 
Peyton Ramsey's running for his life and Michigan's only bringing four. And so I think that, you know, your offensive line, I think Indiana's offensive line play could be as good or better than last year. But I think that on the defensive side, that line, which is very deep. I mean, I think Indiana's probably going to have, you know, legitimately as many as three guys that can compete for minutes at just about every one of those four positions. And I don't think you necessarily need to have just one guy step up as a big sack threat, though it's worth pointing out it's been more than 10 years since Indiana had a player finish a season in double digit, uh, with double-digit sacks. But I just think that that line, plus you know maybe a linebacker, maybe that Husky. Um, I know Indiana's coaching staff had talked a lot about blitzing Marcelino Ball this year. We'll see if they do the same with Brian Fitzgerald. But you got to find a way to get to win that line of scrimmage without needing to bring six. Um, I think that's kind of the next big step for Indiana in terms of both, you know, growing as a defense, maybe into a defense that instead of beating Maryland by six, beats Maryland by 17, and then also a defense that maybe finds a way to beat a a Penn State or a Michigan, you know, or or somebody like that. Zach, how strange is it going to be to see Peyton Ramsey wear purple and black on Saturdays? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's funny. I I actually just – doing a story about Indiana's new offensive coordinator who's been around for three years. He's been on staff, but he was elevated this offseason, Nick Sherrod. And um, I think I, I, I just shot uh, Peyton Ramsey a message to see if he'd want to talk. And we were chatting while uh, the, the Braves and Reds were playing in whatever it was, the wild card series. And I'm from Atlanta and Ramsey's obviously from Cincinnati. And so I was just talking a little trash and, um, you know, just kind of realizing a lot of those guys that, that, you know, kind of were real centerpieces of trying to navigate the program through the choppiness of Kevin Wilson's departure to Tom Allen's tenure, you know, Peyton Ramsey, Coy Cronk, um, both of them now going to be playing Big Ten football somewhere else. And then I was on radio in Cedar Rapids and they were asking, you know, what should Iowa fans expect out of Coy Cronk? And yeah, it's it's a little bit bizarre, um, but I think, I really would say I think both players, you know, left with, with Indiana's blessing. I think Indiana would rather have them but is okay without them. Um, and I do get the sense that both of them landed in, in pretty good spots, obviously. Northwestern needing, you know, somebody like Ramsey to really stabilize that offense. And I think I, I, would, I would imagine uh, Kronk is going to be a, a pretty much a fixture at tackle for Iowa this season. Yeah, it'll be strange. There's no doubt about it. Zach Osterman from the Indy Star with us here on Around the Big Ten. Zach, thanks so much for giving us a breakdown, giving us an insight of what Indiana's going to roll out there in a few weeks. Hopefully we're covering football, man, and, and no longer chasing down rumors here and, 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 you know, before we know it, and you're going to be writing game stories instead of, you know, who, who, who Indiana may or may not play in a month. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Thanks to everybody for spending part of your – evening here with us you made it through another week most of you some of you probably still have weekend work duties but uh, for most of you you've made it and a full weekend of football one weekend closer to husker football october 24th the big red on the road taking on the ohio state buckeyes in columbus good hour one coming up an hour two of the show here shortly we'll run through our top 25 Picks for the weekend. Some good games on tap this weekend. Of course, SEC in full swing. We'll also chat with Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Talk some NFL. There's a lot to get to with Ian. There's a game last night between the Bears and the Bucks. Great game between those two. Uh, obviously, as Tim told you in the ticker, there are a lot of teams flirting with COVID uh, issues right now that have 
uh, some games this weekend in jeopardy. We'll get an update on those and some injuries to get to as well, including uh, reigning MVP Lamar Jackson dealing with a bit of an illness and a, and a knee issue. So we'll get all that uh, with Ian in our uh, NFL segment here this hour. In the third and final hour uh, of the week, we will have our weekend preview. We'll run through what's on tap here this weekend. We'll have our weekend review, the best of Sports Nightly this week, all in one segment, and we'll hand out some winners and losers of the week all to come. Uh, but for now, we are going to jump into our top 25 selections for the week, gentlemen. I guess uh, first things first, let's find out the damage from last week. Well, there was some damage. Uh, one person most especially felt it, uh, but not me. I went 12 of 16 while uh, Greg, Ben, and Josh went 11 of 16, and, and Austin, a paltry 9 of 16. Mm. Uh, looks like Austin got tripped up on a fair few, but uh, going through all our results – uh, everyone got wrong the TCU-Texas game. Besides me, I side with the Horn Frogs. We all got tripped up on Pitt. Uh, Austin and I got tripped up by, by Memphis and SMU. I said it was going to be a field goal game. It was a field goal game, but Memphis did not win that one. Uh, all of us got tripped up by UCF and Mississippi yeah. State. Uh, and then you guys all sided with the Sooners, while I very smartly and boldly took Iowa State. And so those were the, the games that, that caused some, some trip-ups there. Uh, but the, the, the totals thus far, uh, Greg and I and, and you, Ben, are sitting at 37 of 48. Josh leads the pack at 38 of 48, while Austin trails behind at a measly 35 of 48. Is Brett not participating in this? No, he's checked out. He's, he's out. just he's totally checked out. All right. Well, Tim, um, you're in it. You're in the thick of it. That's I know right. your, your performance earlier this week, or yesterday, I should say, in face-off probably didn't go overly fantastically. But, hey, yeah, you're, you're in the thick of it of the Big Ten picks. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into this week's game, starting first in the SEC, boys, on ESPN at 11 o'clock. You had fourth-ranked Florida on the road at Kyle Field and College Station taking on the 21st-ranked. Texas A&M Aggies uh, I'll bat I'll bat lead off tonight I think this is going to be a really good game I I kind of was more in on A&M than all you guys last week and, and you were proven right uh, more than me as, as Bama just put one on A&M but I did see some things that I liked from Texas A&M I thought Kellen Mond played better uh, I like some of their weapons on the outside against Florida but I'm still going to pick Florida just because if A&M's defense performed a little bit better last week and didn't allow 52 to Bama, um, I, I probably would have been more likely to pick the upset. But, I mean, you, you just give up half a hundred in, in the way that Florida's throwing the ball right now with Kyle Trask leading the country with 10 touchdown passes. I, I don't like their chances. So I'm going to go the road team, the fourth-ranked Florida Gators in this one. Austin? Yeah, I'm with you. I think Florida pulls it out. Spread six and a half points. I think that's probably accurate. What is it with the SEC turning into the league of offense? Florida, A&M, yeah. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU last year. My goodness. I, I love seeing points thrown around. It's, it's awesome. I think this one's a shootout, probably high 30s for both teams, maybe low 40s. Florida's defense is pretty good, but we saw what Ole Miss did to it. I think A&M's weapons are better, but I still like Florida as well. Well, I guess my better judgment, I'm siding with the Aggies. Okay. Um, I, I, I think Florida's the more complete team, but but Jimbo's do. And uh, I didn't get into this business to not to be a gambler. You know, you got to roll the <laughs> dice a few times, and sometimes it pays off. It did last week. We'll see if it pays off this week. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad pick, Tim, by, by any stretch. I mean, less than a touchdown spread. How about our absentee ballots? What about, what about uh, 
Greg and Josh. Where are they? Well, Greg, at? Greg is siding with the Gators, and Josh is as well. Okay, so you're the only one going Ags, Tim. That's right. What's your confidence level? Uh, it's not high. I give not it like high. a five out of ten. Oh, that's okay. That's not terrible. 50, 50, not terrible. Flip. Yeah. Okay, maybe right. like a three out of ten. <laughs> okay, boys. Next one. Um, ACC two ranked teams here between 19th ranked. Virginia Tech, eighth-ranked North Carolina. Tar Heels, a three-point favorite in this one. Austin, why don't you bat first on this one? I'm not loving what I'm seeing from North Carolina. They had an absolute dogfight against Boston College. The first week against Syracuse wasn't great either, but they're 2-0. They found ways to survive in advance. I think Sam Howell's starting to figure things out. 39 of 60 on the air, only three touchdown passes. Virginia Tech has looked pretty solid, not great. The fact that it's at home... I, I'll take North Carolina. The line at three, those, I think that's pretty right on. I think it's going to be a close one, but the heels pulled out. Yep, uh, I'm going with the Tar Heels here. I'm, I'm not totally sold on Virginia Tech. Um, not that they've been terrible, but, again, uh, I think North Carolina are the more complete team. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Mac Brown believer, uh, and that's what Josh and Greg had as well. They both sided with the heels. Wow. All right. Well, I'm, go- I'm going with the upset. I'm picking Virginia Tech. I-, I like you, Austin. I haven't been overly impressed with what I've seen from North Carolina. I'm not sure if this is the game they turn it around or not. Um, I like Virginia Tech in this one. I, th- I think they're better than maybe we're giving them credit for. I-, I was really impressed with their week one victory over NC State. Um, maybe didn't play quite as well last week, but give me, give me the Hokies in this one, the road team at 11 a.m. on ABC. So I'm the only one going the underdog in that one. Uh, I think the line is Carolina by about three. So I feel cool, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how that one turns out. Okay, back to the SEC we go. It is Missouri at LSU. Actually, this one's in Missouri. It's in Columbia, but LSU is technically the home team on the scoreboard. So th- th- with Hurricane Delta, uh, they actually had to switch this switch this around. So it's, it's played at Faroe Field, but LSU is listed as the home team. Tim, who you like? Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers in this one. The Drinkwitz era at Mizzou. The Tigers, been off, huh? Been off to yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> Tigers uh, against Tigers. I like the Tigers too. Yeah, I'll take the I'll take the Tigers in a Cajun accent. Uh, but yeah, because the, the Drinkwitz era is off to an inauspicious start. Uh, I ex- would expect that kind of slide to continue. I know the Tigers got torn apart by an air raid offense and Mike Leach's uh, mad Mississippi State, but that's not the same type of offense they're going to be playing against Missouri. Uh, give me the Tigers of LSU. All right. I will uh, – I'll take the Tigers as well, um, and I will also take the Bayou version of the Tigers. I don't think Missouri is very good at all, boys. I watched a little bit of their game last week. I think they're, I think they're pretty bad. And, and, and LSU, I think, maybe took some strides. They, they got beat up around the nation after their week one loss to Mississippi State. Um, I think they lock it in a little bit, and, and I, I think they cover the 14-point spread, win pretty comfortably as the home team on Missouri's home field. So g- give me the Bayou Bengals. I'll make it a clean sweep on the Tigers, also the LSU version. All things considered, Missouri's defense hasn't been horrible. 38 to Alabama, 35 to Tennessee. And I know that's not good. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not a good defense by any means. But seeing what Alabama did to A&M last week, maybe a little bit of credit there to the Tigers of Missouri. But I do think LSU covers and wins pretty comfortably. Yeah. And J- Josh and Greg sided with uh, the Tigers of LSU as well. All right, there you go. Clean sweep for the Bengals in the bayou. All right, 11 a.m. at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Red River Rivalry. They call it the Red River Shootout now. It's so dumb. I'm calling it River, River, <laughs> Red River Rivalry. It's yes. what it's called. Correct. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, this game lost a lot of luster boys after uh, what happened to both of these teams last week. The Horns 
uh, going down to the Horned Frogs and the Sooners going down to the Cyclones at Jack Trice and Ames. Sooners a three-point favorite in this one. I think it's back to me. I, I'm going Hook'em Horns. I, I haven't liked what I've seen from Oklahoma at all, and uh, their defense is bad. And, and the biggest thing for me is Spencer Rattler in crunch time, which you know this game's going to be down to the last few possessions, has made terrible choices and terrible executing and throws in bad situations against Kansas State and against Iowa State. So give me the, the more experienced, the more polished quarterback and Sam Ellinger and Texas – Wins and goes to three and one, and Oklahoma falls to zero and three in the Big Twelve. Zero and three, Oklahoma does not sound like like a fun time down in Norman. I've waffled on this one. You know, it is that rivalry. You can throw a lot of stuff out the window, as they say proverbially. Oklahoma is going to get it figured out, but I think Sam Ellinger becomes the first quarterback to win the Red River rivalry twice since Baker Mayfield, since Kyler Murray did not win it, as we found out last. <laughs> That's night. right, as That's we found right. out last night. Yeah, hook them. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Texas in this one. I, watching that, that game between Oklahoma and, and ISU, uh, yeah, more like Spencer rattled. He, he did not look Whoa, great. Whoa, Tim with the zinger. uh, Zingers, yes. I'll be here all night. Uh, he did not look nine. that great. And that defense, too, not that Texas has a stellar D either, but I've I'm not been impressed by what I've seen from Boomer Sooner. Uh, Gray going with Texas as well, but Josh siding with the Sooners. Okay, so Josh is the only one going OU. Is that right? That is mm-hmm. correct. Wow, how about that? So – Almost all of us going with uh, with Hook'em on that one as the underdog uh, at 11 a.m. on Fox where you can find that one. Okay, 2.30, back in the SEC we go at Sanford Stadium between the hedges, third-ranked Georgia, 14th-ranked Tennessee. Austin, what do you got? I don't think Tennessee has much. I think Georgia by just about a couple touchdowns feels right. Stetson Bennett looks to be the answer for Georgia. Things ran a lot smoother with him in charge last week. Tennessee is better than it has been. The Vols are getting better. I still don't think they have nearly enough to get it done between the hedges. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with Austin on this one. I actually think it's going to be a close game. I would have been shocked if, if Tennessee uh, takes this one down to the, the final minutes. But uh, I do think the, Uga, the Bulldogs are, are much better than Tennessee, although I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a Volunteers hater. Uh, but it is what it is. Georgia's the, just the more complete team. Uh, Josh and Greg thinking that same way as they've both picked the Bulldogs as well. I am a Tennessee hater. I really don't like them <laughs> very much at all. Um, yeah, I just not, I'm just not a fan. Uh, I'll take Georgia as well. As much as I don't like Tennessee, I think this game probably plays a little closer than the spread, which is about 12.5 right now. I was really impressed with Georgia last week, but that's a, they're coming off a huge win against a rival in Auburn. I don't know that they can necessarily match that intensity out of the gate. Love what I saw from Kiaris Jackson um, at, at wideout for Georgia. They really need to get some weapons going outside of Pinkins, and Jackson seemed to be the answer. If Bennett can continually find him, um, nearly half of his completions are going to Jackson. So I, I like Georgia a little bit more than I like Tennessee. I think the Vols cover, but give me the dogs on that one. All right, 2.30 ESPN2, uh, a 3-1 UTSA team against the 15th-ranked BYU Cougars at 3-0. and This is a 35-point spread. I have a feeling I know where we all lie in this one. <laughs> You'd be correct. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about UTSA, but uh, I think I'm siding with the Cougs. Their playoff march continues. I know they're the Roadrunners. I know they reside in San Antonio. I know Larry Coker was once their coach. I know they're going to get run by the Cougars tomorrow, so I'm choosing BYU. I know I agree with you guys. And so are our absentees, Josh and Greg. 
Interesting game in the Big 12 at 2.30. Texas Tech at 0-2 has played some close games against 24th-ranked back in the polls, Iowa State 2-0 in league play. Uh, I believe this one is back to me, yeah, mm-hmm. to, yep. to go first. Okay, I, I'm going to say Texas Tech wins. Alan Bowman was knocked out of the game last week against Kansas State. They lost a tough game. Uh, Kansas State gets a late touchdown, wins by 10 to, to put Texas Tech at 0-2. Uh, yes, Texas Tech's one's win is a close one against Houston Baptist, but um, they looked really good against Texas. They looked okay against K-State, and I just don't tr- – my trust meter at Iowa State isn't even off that left bar. It's still hovering <laughs> on that left bar. That meter's not even moving. Don't trust them at all, especially after a big win. I'm going to say the Red Raiders go in there and pull the upset, even though ISU is nearly a 12-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, it, these are these are giant killers both. Uh, so it's, it's David meeting David. Uh, so it's kind of an intriguing matchup. But give me the Cyclones and a very slight edge. I, I could see Texas Tech easily winning this game. But at the same time, I think Iowa State, with, with guys like Hall and, and Purdy, uh, they have those horses that uh, might give them the edge. And that is where Josh and Greg are at as well. They're both uh, pulling for the Cyclones. I, I'm not pulling for the Cyclones. I'm just a couple degrees to the right of you on the trust meter with Iowa State, Ben. I know I stumped for him a little harder than other people in our meeting. I would like to officially back off that stance and not buy <laughs> if that's allowed. I, I still think they have enough to beat Texas Tech. The Red Raiders cover the Cyclones win. Very good. Okay. All right, moving to 3 o'clock now. Arkansas and Auburn. Arkansas has been of a bit of a surprise with how well they've played so far in the SEC. Played tough last week as well. Both teams at 1-1, one one, 3 o'clock on ESPN. The Auburn Tigers, 14-point favorites, Tim. Yeah, I think uh, Arkansas makes this one interesting, but Auburn will pull it away in the end, and, and you're right. I mean, I, I was not expecting the Razorbacks to make much noise this season, but they already got that win against Mississippi State. I mean, you could probably kind of one-hand the number of SEC games they've won in the past few years, so anytime they get a dub is a big deal. That being said, I think Auburn's a better football team. That's why I'm signing with the Tigers, and which is why Josh and Greg are doing that as well, or the War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle for me as well. Austin? Yeah, give me Auburn. By two touchdowns, that sounds about right since the game's in Jordan here. Arkansas's looking up. They're still not great, but I also think Auburn comes out hungry to prove itself after last week. What a letdown on the road at Georgia. Auburn's got something to prove. They prove it. Yeah, Arkansas' schedule is just brutal. Um, I mean, all year, not not just these first couple, but but all season. All right, here's the big one, boys. Six thirty, ABC, seventh ranked Miami, Miami at number one Clemson in Death Valley in South Carolina. Miami three and zero, Clemson three and zero. Austin, let's start with you on this one. We talked about our trust meter with Iowa State. It's about the same same spot for Miami. Texas is also in that conversation. The Canes have looked pretty good this year. I will give them that. But I think Clemson wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they cover. This game reminds me a lot of that Deshaun Watson-Lamar Jackson game that yeah. was played. I, I'm getting a lot of vibes there of the matchup between Lawrence and King at quarterback. So I think Clemson wins. I think they get a touchdown late to cover. Well, uh, I'm kind of in that same line. I do think Clemson will pull away at the end, but Miami's going to make this one interesting. They are, uh, as, as hard as this is for me to admit, I think they're better than, than I thought they'd be heading into this one. I'm not a big Manny Diaz guy, but, but so it goes. Uh, Clemson wins this one, and that's where Josh and Greg are feeling as well. They both have the Tigers. All right, I'm taking uh, Clemson as well. Confidence isn't real high in this one. I think Miami's going to push these guys. I, I really do. I think this is a really close game going to the fourth quarter. 
I thought Clemson was going to run away with last week's game against Virginia. They, they really didn't. That, that game played pretty close, and Virginia was down seven players in that one too, and a couple of coaches to, to COVID. Um, I'm taking Clemson. I think they win. Trevor Lawrence is the best player on the field, but Derek King's not far behind. So I'm going to say Clemson wins. I'm fairly confident six, six, six to seven out of ten, which you wouldn't think, you know, is it sounded think like be a little four and a half or a five. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at in the in, in, in the con- it's. I'm probably north of a five, barely. I'll say six out of ten, um, but you would think it'd be a little more with the number one ranked team and the number one draft pick against a, a, a team in Miami that I think we're still still figuring out a bit. All right, 6.30 on ESPN. Same time, you've got second-ranked Alabama at Ole Miss in Oxford. Uh, tied a 23-point favorite in this one, and, and I think Ole Miss may score a little bit. I like Corral at quarterback. I think he's kind of fancy. He's got some serious swag to him, but there's no beating Bama. I think I think, uh, I think roll, tied, roll. I think they win by, I'll say, 24, 24 points. Yeah, even if Lane Kiffin is, is, has basically Bama's play sheet, I don't think it's going to help him much uh, roll, tied. Heck of a quote from our, our boy Lane Kiffin talking about his, his group text with uh, Muschamp, Pruitt, and Smart. His line was, we all have the same father in reference to Nick Saban. <laughs> that's, that's, a line, that's in line of the year category there. The spread of 23 seemed high for a game that, you know, the over-under is 69 points. That seems a little bit high. I think Ole Miss scores. I think they cover. It's probably 17 to 20 point game, but Bama wins. All right, very good. Okay, final game, Florida State, Notre Dame. Boy, this is a this is a great-looking game on paper in July. Oh, yeah. Not so great-looking now. Notre Dame at home, uh, Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, fifth-ranked Irish, 1-2 and two Florida State, who was getting pushed last week by Jacksonville State. They were down by two scores at one point. Uh, Austin, why don't you bat lead off on this thriller to finish out? I, yeah, thanks. It's uh, not going to be pretty. Definitely not going to be pretty. Golden Domers win this going away. Florida State is in T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame uh, going to roll in this one. Florida State is about as pitiable, pitiable uh, as it gets. They are wretched. They are awful. Uh, they are just plain no good. That is my analysis. <laughs> Notre Dame wins this one. Josh and Greg also are think the Fighting Irish will roll in this one as well. They I'm do. taking Irish as, as well. Boys, seriously, what, like what, what has, is happening to Florida State? I mean, we, like this, <laughs> is, this, is, this isn't like Nebraska where there's, you know, four and five stars on, on a stone's throw away from Lincoln. But Florida State, man, and not, not only is that a national power, you know, national championship with, with famous Jameis not that long ago. I know Jimbo Fisher left, but they still have loads of talent. What, what, what is going on here? It's bizarre. You should be able to just plug pretty much any coach in, say, hey, grab you know, your favorite seven to ten five-star prospects, and away you go. But, yeah, no, it wasn't that long ago. Famous Jameis took him there. There's not a lot of coaching going on. They're not getting talent, not a whole lot of development. Florida State embodies a mess in so many ways. I, I don't think Willie Taggart was given a fair shake, but I don't think – no matter who the coach is, they were going to be able to figure it out in just a couple of years. Those, those problems are institutional. Here's the thing. Florida State's in the ACC, not the SEC. They, they, they should sleepwalk to nine wins a year, and, and they just can't do it, and I don't understand it. And I don't know what it's going to take for them to get off the canvas. And to be honest with you, I don't really care if they do. I, I really don't. <laughs> they, can, they can lay down there for I, yes. all I care. Um, okay, boys, I, I believe that's, that's all we've got. Um, so we're all catching Josh, yeah? Josh has a point. 
a point up on uh, is it me, Tim, and Greg? Yeah, we're all in the pack. Uh, Austin's fallen way way behind at thirty five forty eight, but Josh is pacing us, which is thirty eight to forty eight. Well, Austin's only three back. He's he's in the he's Just in the thick week. of it. Good he's in the void. A couple weeks, it's fine. Not worried. Yeah. All right, good stuff, boys. Appreciate it. Those are our, our top 25 selections here on Sports Night. It'll be interesting uh, how this plays out, and I know I'll be instantly regretting a handful of these picks, as I always do. Ian, let's start with last night's game between the Bears and the Bucks. Man, I don't think anybody picked Chicago to win that game on a national platform. Everybody rolling with Tampa Bay. Bears get a late field goal. They hold on and win. Bears quietly 3-1 and one right now. If you're a Chicago fan, how should you be feeling waking up today? I mean, I think you should be feeling great because, you know, does anyone think that this is a team that's good enough to be, you know, 4-1 and one or whatever it is? I mean, I, you know, they've replaced their quarterback. They've gotten, I would say, some clutch, but mostly mediocre quarterback play. I mean, a couple of big plays at the quarterback position, but, but definitely, some, uh, definitely some up and down. And, you know, to somehow be four and one, I feel like it's like stealing a little bit, you know? So they haven't played great. The record is good. You know, maybe that means it comes the other way at some point, but hopefully you just continue to improve as a team. So you take these wins, you put them in your back pocket, you kind of move forward, um, and you feel fortunate doing it. On the other side with, with Tampa Bay, I think we were all uncertain how this was going to look with Tom Brady coming in, maybe what what the ceiling is now. Uh, or what what it was going to be for for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what is the ceiling? Now, what do you make of of the season that uh, they've been able to put together so far, and how Brady fits the mold with what they want to do? I mean, I think as a general roster, they're really talented, right? So, you know, all of that is good, right? And they have great receivers. You know, Godwin is excellent. Mike Evans is very very good. Um, they have some good tight ends. They got a great defense with some excellent young players. Really good up the middle, even though Vita Vey is out for the season with a broken leg. Um, so there's a lot to like. It's been interesting that they haven't hit the ground running. I mean, they're they're fine. They're three and two. They're fine, but it has not been the offensive juggernaut I think people expected. And you know that's interesting to me because the Patriots thought that Tom Brady probably had one year left. So if that's the case, maybe they were wrong. Maybe he's got two. But maybe they were wrong in a way where he, you know, was going to be basically average for a year. So if you're the Bucks, you've got a really talented roster, you have average quarterback play, you know, is that is that good enough? Is that good enough to get you to the playoffs? Maybe. But, you know, this is a roster that you pay all this money, you make all these splash moves, probably should go deep in the playoffs. I mean, that's what everybody wants. Um, so I think they're okay, but it probably hasn't been maybe what everybody expected. Ian, something we were kicking around a little earlier in our show, and, and I think it – I mean, it's hard to ignore because of when it happened, but Brady obviously with some confusion at the end of the game with, with how many downs and what down it was. Is this a big deal or not a big deal? I don't know that it would have actually changed the outcome of the last play. I mean, that's sort of what you wonder, right? Like if he knew it was fourth down, which look, I, mean, I, I can only read body language and what I see, and it – appeared that he did not know what down it was. Who knows what the reality is, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what it appeared. Um, Would it have changed the way he threw? You know, he didn't call the play. I don't believe he audible. So, you know, how different would it have been? I don't know. Um, But, I mean, I would say it's at least something where if Brady and the Bucks aren't what everybody thought. Like, let's say they don't make the playoffs. Let's say they go 8-8 and miss the playoffs. 
that's going to be a moment where people look back and go, okay, like, was he really the best quarterback for the situation? Was he just too old or doesn't have it or something? I mean, that you know, if they don't make the playoffs on national TV, Brady not knowing what down it is, that will be a thing, and it will be something that I think will stick with the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, no question about it. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network is our guest. Um, Ian, last week we, we talked a little bit about surprising 0-3 starts, and the two te- teams I had asked you about were Minnesota and Houston. They happen to be playing one another. Well, Houston ends up losing the game, and they lost their general manager and their coach. What is going on in Houston? Well, I mean, I, I was really surprised. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I knew that things were not great. I knew his relationship with Jack Easterby the director of football or the VP of football operations, I believe, I knew that wasn't that great. I did not see this coming. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I was definitely surprised by it um, because to me, like, you know, they make him the GM in the off season. It used to be a side by side with him doing all these moves. And then four games in, you pull the plug because the record isn't good. Even though you played, you know, three playoff games, played three playoff teams to start, including the defending Super Bowl champions. Like, I was surprised. Now, the fact that it happened now lets the team catch his breath, kind of redirect itself, um, you know, get ready for the GM and then the coach search. So all of that, you know, it's time to get ready for that. I'm just, you know, I'm surprised. Uh, I don't understand why his past playoff wins weren't taken more into consideration, but I guess this is a world where no one has a lot of patience. So kind of it is what it is. What's the attractiveness for a head coach with this job? I mean, it all starts with the quarterback, and they've got a great one in Deshaun Watson. But to me, it seems like they can haul in a pretty good name here. Oh, I think it's a really good job. I mean, they have an owner who's who lets you do your job. You know, you'd think that the coach and GM would be in lockstep. I think the GM will be hired first, and then the head coach. So you'd think they would. The GM would hire a coach who they can kind of work together with, and. They have a quarterback. They have cap space and a quarterback. They don't have a lot of draft picks. So next year, that's going to hurt. But, you know, you got a franchise quarterback, you're doing fine. So this is not one where you got to go find one. And he's not old either. You know, whereas, like, if you're the next Falcons coach, you know, finding a franchise quarterback is pretty high on the list. Texans, you don't have to do that. So I think it's a really attractive job. Um, you're going to have to be okay with what, you know, Jack used to be in his role there, but I think it's a really good job. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network is our guest. Well, I, I tried as long as I could, man, to, to put the COVID stuff later in the interview, but we should probably get to it now, and it's just been a disaster this week. It, the last time we talked about this, you know, you brought up the point that it was a pretty easy scheduling fix. Now that we're bleeding into three, four, five teams, and you times it by two because they have opponents, this is going to start to get really messy. Um, let's just start first with the Titans because they seem to be kind of be the ringleader in this. What's the update on, on the Titans? I, I think I did see a report from you guys today that um, that the Titans were, were all clear with negative tests today. Where Where is Tennessee at? Well, uh, they're in a better place than they were yesterday. I mean, yes, they have, you know, two, they, today no positive tests. If they have no positive tests tomorrow and Saturday, they can probably open the facility Saturday. And then you start preparing for the game. I mean, it's it's not obviously not perfect, but it's 2020. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is ideal. Um, so, you know, it's I you hope that now things are getting better for Tennessee. I mean, the problem is, you know, they had those unauthorized workouts. It seems based on the pictures, based on what sources said, 
you know, how many players continue to get it after they should have been quarantined. That's how this ends up lasting two weeks instead of two days. You know, so the Titans, and they're still being looked at by the NFL, the NFLPA. There's still an ongoing review. There's a lot at stake. They could be penalized if they're found to have violated protocols. So, you know, this is all, this is all up in the air, but it's, I, mean, I hate to say it, but this is part of what this season is about. You know, if we thought we were all going to just get a couple positive tests, move their guys aside and keep going, it's definitely not the case. Yeah, and it's clear with the protocols in place that that, that that won't be the case. And, you know, you hope that these steps that get put in place can, can prevent any long delays in the future. Um, I, well, I guess we better ask, I better ask about the other teams that are affected. Let's just start first with New England. Seems like things are getting better on their front as well. Yeah, I think things are getting better in New England. If all goes well, they should play Monday night against the Broncos. And, you know, Cam might be back. Um, based, I mean, I hate to say this, but like based on the timing, it actually could benefit the Patriots because they might get their starting quarterback back. So that's one thing we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, they have Stephon Gilmore also COVID positive. He had dinner with Cam Newton last week. The fact that that happened and it wasn't caught in the facility, I think is good news for them. Um, so, you know, you just hope they stay clean throughout the game and they can kind of keep them moving and, and everyone will be okay. And then I guess the last team, and this was the one that's popped up most recently, is the Jets. Where are they at? And I'm sure there's still a lot of unanswered questions based on how early this is. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have some questions. It's, you know, one prominent player who's positive. It's, you know, the the whole team was sent home uh, basically as a precaution. And, you know, then what they'll have to do, and one great thing the NFL has, they have these tracking devices. So, assuming players were wearing them, they can actually see who is a close contact from the person who tested positive, who, you know, who might have, who might have got it, um, who is to, at risk. And they take a look at those close contacts. Those guys get tested for several days. They quarantine if anyone's at risk. And then when it's deemed safe, you bring everyone together again. You know, it's a very specific scientific-based process, hopefully keeping everyone safe and, you know, making sure, I mean, this is why you do the protocols. So if someone tests positive, you have a fail-safe where everybody was as socially distant as possible anyway. Ian, before we uh, cut you loose, we normally talk about some injuries. There's really only one that I want to hit on. It's, it's a big one. It's, it's the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Sounded like he returned to practice today. What, what's been going on with him? Yeah, just a little bit of a sore knee. I think he's probably fine. Would have practiced yesterday, but he had a stomach illness, non-COVID related, so... Uh, Lamar's going to be fine. I don't sense any mobility issues. Uh, he should be starting on Sunday. All right, very good. Ian Rapport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, we appreciate it, man. Great work tracking all this stuff down. I know it's probably not the type of reporting you want to do on a <laughs> weekly basis, but as you said, 2020, baby. And at least we got games to cover this weekend. Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Take care, man. Thank you. Thank you. Ian Rapport, the NFL Network. Joining us each and every Friday night here on Sports Nightly. Okay, boys, let's go ahead and jump into it. It's the weekend preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Tim Curran. Oh, boy, is it a packed slate or what for this weekend? I'm, I'm licking my chops already. 
Um, Sunday most especially, but Saturday I uh, got a full slate of college football. But excited to dig into this one with you, gents. If you are ready. We're uh, ready. Austin, are you ready? It. Oh, I'm fired up. Okay. It is let's a great get it. weekend. going to be a lot of sports. Right. A lot of sports. Uh, we're going to start out with, with college football. Um, a, a big slate, uh, as I mentioned, and we already kind of went through a little bit with our top 25 picks. But starting at 11 a.m., you got a big one, number four, Florida, number 21, Texas A&M. Uh, I'm a little bit more bullish on the Aggies than you guys are. They both, of course, recognize they're good teams. But Florida, uh, they've looked good this year, and uh, this is going to be their, their first uh, giant test of the season. It's weird to me seeing Florida score points, right? I mean, for so long they were the national joke for offense because they had all those great defenses, and all they needed most days was to score two touchdowns to win, and they just couldn't do it. So this is a little odd to me. First time since Tim Tebow's been there since they've been able to score points darn near. Another good one as well between number 19, Virginia Tech, and number 8, North Carolina. Tar Heels favored that one in by four points. Uh, you also got Mizzou and number 17, LSU. The Battle of the Tigers, uh, do either of us give Mizzou a chance, even a, a very far chance in this one? Nope. I don't think so. I don't, I'm not no. seeing it. I don't see no. a scenario in which this happens. I don't. No. no, I would agree. Not even with Missouri being the home team as the road team. Well, what about, no. what about uh, Red River, number 22, Texas, and Oklahoma? The over-under set at 72.5. That's Hammer the over. Hammer the over. You think? <laughs> 72 and a half? That's so many points. I, I know. No, that's, that, that is quite a bit. Um, um, man, did you guys watch the Texas-TCU game last week? How, how much of an eyesore was that? I mean, that, that was a hard football game to get through. Yeah. Penalties it, every play, turnovers. I mean, it was just it was gross. It take, was gross. Take the Texas-Texas Tech game, flip it on its head, you have Texas-TCU. Yeah, going through some of their other big 11 a.m. games at the State and Virginia as well as South Carolina and Vandy. Coming up at 11.30, it'll be Duke squaring off with Syracuse. Austin's Dukies are 0-4. Sad. Uh, then at 12.30, <laughs> our nation's army plays the Citadel. I'm sure the nation eyes will be tuning in for that one. Uh, then in the afternoon slate, we got an interesting one between number 14, Tennessee, squaring off with number three, Georgia. Uga are, are kind of heavy favorites in this one, 12.5 point spread in favor of the Bulldogs, but uh, my question I pose to you, gentlemen, are the Volunteers for real? Are you guys buying yeah, into the Tennessee hype? That's kind of where, I, where are we at with Tennessee as, as a as a as a Husker Sports Network identity? Better I, than I, I we thought they were, but not. I don't know what to make of them, to be honest. I, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt got slagged off uh, really early last year. I mean, they were seen as this pathetic joke, but then they wrap, they rolled off this this impressive winning streak, and uh, now they had that win over South Carolina earlier this year. I think they're better than most people think, but I don't think they're good enough to go necessarily toe-to-toe with the Bulldogs but was, uh, who knows t- Tennessee was not in our preseason top 25 correct? they were they were not but a team that I think they're really comparable to is Indiana a lot better than they have been obviously Tennessee has more of the historical prestige they're going to be a lot better than they, they had been recently but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be crapping cracking the upper echelon of their league so Tennessee's Crazy. better but I think there's a reason we saw that bowl matchup last year. Yeah, I was going to say, it's crazy. That's the comp you threw out because they did play a great bowl game. Tennessee Tennessee was down big, and they had a huge comeback to beat Indiana in that Gator Bowl. Uh, We also got UTSA taking on number 15, BYU. Uh, Another good one, Texas Tech at number 24, Iowa State. I know, Ben, you're a a big fan of the Red Raiders. Not a big fan. It's more of an indictment on the other team. I I don't know what to make – of Iowa State. I know, they looked great last week. Brees Hall looks like a stud. Um, I love Brock Purdy at times. I think he's, um, you know, a very, you know, you know, 
serviceable quarterback at the Big 12 level. But then there are other times where you watch them and you're just like, what is going on? Like, what, what, is, what is happening? And I have a feeling that may happen tomorrow. So I'm, it's more of a by-default pick. I'm not confident in it just because I don't know how to ever judge Iowa State. I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. At 3 o'clock, we got some good games as well. Arkansas taking on number 13, Auburn. Uh, I think we, we all think the Razorbacks are decent, but uh, it'll be a tough hill to climb, I think, against the Tigers. Uh, also, you got Pitt and Boston College. Uh, we all got burned picking Pitt last time around. Not sure if any of us are, are doing that. It is at Chestnut Hill, the place where Ben says good football goes to die. I am never picking Pitt again. I've picked wrong <laughs> every time this year. I, I picked Louisville to beat him. Pitt won. I picked against Pitt the next week. Pitt won. And then last week, I finally picked Pitt to win, and they they dropped the ball on me. I, 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 nope, not doing Pitt ever again. You're out. Yeah. Austin's out on Pitt, Tim. Make, make, a, make a note of that. Yeah, I'm making a note of that. Uh, definitely. They're in, my, they're in my crosshairs now. Uh, what about K-State and TCU? Not a top 25 matchup, but, but intriguing nonetheless. Uh, Going to be in Fort Worth. Probably Horn Frogs might be a slight favor in this one, but K-State, they look good as well. How do you guys yeah. feel about this one? The Battle of Purple in the Big 12, K-State and TCU. To be honest, I don't really know. I, I don't know what the, what the status of Skylar Thompson was. I know he got knocked out of the game. Both starting quarterbacks last week, Texas Tech and Kansas State, um, had to leave. So I don't know what the status of, of, they are, of them going forward in this game. Um, my inkling is to pick K-State in a tight one just because I don't know. I don't think TCU bounces back all that well after a big win, but who knows? I, I, I have a hard time predicting the Big 12, as does everybody this year. What if I told you TCU was favored by nine and a half? I'm taking K-State all day long. And I, <laughs> I would as well. Despite TCU's alternate uniforms, they're honoring first responders. They've got red face masks and red accents on their, their oh, black really? and purple. Noise. Yeah, they put out we, a pretty cool hype video. Let's, um, oh, I was going to say, if there's a photo, let's tweet that out, but we don't need to do that. We don't, need, we don't need to give TCU's hype video any love. <laughs> uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, you're going to have Navy and Temple, the midshipmen taking on Temple. That's actually going to be Temple's first game. Good for them. Uh, then at 6.30, you got the big one, number seven Miami, number one Clemson. I think we give the Hurricanes some chance in this one, but I don't think any of us are, are siding completely against the Tigers. Clemson, they are a good football team, and that's my analysis. Is Clemson is Clemson your guys' number one team in the country so far um, through, what, three I, anywhere sure. between three and five weeks? I'd say yeah. I mean, Bama's right there, but, but right now I'd give a slight nod to Clemson. I lean the other way. I think Bama is a little bit better than Clemson right now. I, at the end of the year, it's probably going to be the same way it always has been. Clemson, like you said in the in the pick segment, Ben, didn't pull away from Virginia like I expected them to. I, they're missing something. I'm not quite sure what exactly that something is yet. I, my guess is that they figure it out, but right now I think I give Bama just that quarter-step edge. Yeah, my worry with Clemson is that they just get bored. I mean, uh, honestly, I think Fair. that's what it is. And, and I think those two right now are head, head and shoulders above everybody else. We'll see what Ohio State looks like, but... You know, a year where we thought there might have been three, four, or five teams at the top, it's, it's still those two and everybody else, in my opinion, at least until we see the Buckeyes. Right. Uh, finishing off the college football slate, we got number two, Alabama and Ole Miss. Sorry, Elaine. I think the Tide are, are going to roll in this one. Florida State, number five, Notre Dame. Uh, Florida State has no chance. Notre Dame favored by three touchdowns. That might be generous. <laughs> and then uh, finishing off the college football slate with Mississippi State and Kentucky, the pirate ship. Uh, which I was a little surprised that they, it got upended against Arkansas, but yeah, I don't know I if that's all were. an indictment against Mississippi State or, or just showing how good Arkansas is. So uh, we shall see. Uh, before we get into the NFL slate of games, uh, heading to Sunday real quick, 
Major League Baseball, game one of the ALCS. We know the Astros are involved, um, but right now, uh, to determine who will play the Astros, you have the Yankees and Rays. They're tied up at one apiece in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, do you guys have a – who do you see, who do you expect to see pull out the, the dub in this one, the Rays or the Yanks? I think my, my lean right now is New York. Um, as Austin said, that first inning is going to come back to haunt Tampa Bay if they don't win. Um, I think the winner of this series beats Houston. I do, even though Houston's playing playing well right now. Um, where are you at, Austin? I'm probably a, a 55-45 Yankee lean right now. That's about where I'm at. The, the longer this game goes with – in a 1-1 tie, keeping it close, the, the more I start to like Tampa Bay's chances. New York, I think, is the more talented team. They had that really rough stretch in the middle of the season before bouncing back in a big way toward the end of the year. I'd much prefer Tampa wins. I think New York has enough to get it done, and I'm with you. I think whoever wins this series is, is the AL World Series pick. Uh, you also have uh, the NBA Finals. Game six uh, would be the if necessary game on Sunday as well. Right now, though, the Heat play in the Lakers, and the Lakers could clinch it all tonight. But Miami enjoying a one-point lead uh, right now. 11 they better 10. enjoy the heck out of it because that <laughs> if necessary game will not be necessary. Yeah, I think that's where we all kind of fall right now. I mean, Well, let's put an asterisk by this. Make alternate plans. Yes. If this is uh, on your docket for the weekend. <laughs> we'll see We'll see if Jimmy Butler has other plans for uh, for LeBron and, and company tonight, see if they can switch things up and, and pull one out. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be tough sledding, to say the least, if Miami's going to pull this one out. Um, well, that brings us to the NFL. Uh, pack noon slate, Raiders taking on the Chiefs. Uh, you guys giving Gruden grinder, Gruden's grinders any chance in this one? I th- I think a slight chance. I, I mean, the Chiefs have just absolutely dominated this rivalry, if you want to call it. And, and Derek Carr even spoke to that. He goes, you can't call it a rivalry until we start winning a few of these games. The Chiefs have been in a, a – a, you mentioned the Gruden grinders. The Chiefs have been in a, in a grinder of a schedule to start this season. Uh, they've gotten a, a couple of lucky breaks with the schedule and, and may get another break with the Bills game. We'll kind of see how that goes. But um, – yeah, Oakland, I thought, or excuse me, Vegas, I thought held up okay last week in, in a really tough game um, against Buffalo. And, and, you know, Kansas City obviously found a way to get by New England. I, I think there's a puncher's chance. I bet this game's anywhere between six to ten points. Depends on how much Gruden trusts Josh Jacobs. I'm sure you're rooting for Josh Jacobs to get the ball 45 times and the Chiefs win by it. 40 is kind of how I, I picture your headspace on this <laughs> one, Ben. I, I, I'd like him to do something. Fair. Just not a lot. Right. Isn't isn't Bashad Breeland back for the Chiefs? He is, yeah. So that, that's a much-needed boost for their secondary. Right. They've done a great job. They lead the league in past DVOA so far, even without him. And I'm excited to see how they re-implement him into this his first week back. And if that if that goes well for them, I'm, I'm sure it will. The Chiefs' defense is playing so well, giving Mahomes and the receivers a chance to get on the same page. They've looked a little out of sync. The Chargers yeah. and the Patriots played them pretty well. I, I'm not worried. As a, as a non-Chiefs fan, I'm I'm sure they're going to figure it out. What, where, what's your confidence in them, Ben? Um, I'm I'm still fairly confident. I am. I, I think, you know, I'd like to see the run game get going a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. It just hasn't always seemed in sync uh, all the time. But I I trust them. I trust Andy Reid. I more than anything, I trust the game plans. I, I just think the game plans and the and the and the preparation is just money every week. 
It'll be a good one, uh, but there are also uh, some not-so-good ones uh, in the noon slate as well. You have Panthers, Falcons, Atlanta are absolutely putrid, still 0-4 in the year, Ugh. also 0-4. You have the, the Jets taking on the Cardinals. That game Ugh. in jeopardy right now. Um, That'd be best-case scenario for the Jets. They won't lose. Right. Unfortunately uh, for the Jets, well, fortunately, but they, their test was a false positive. They're still planning on, on playing everything. Oh, all good. Clear. So they'll, they'll, they'll tack another. Their, their run in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes will continue. Right. Unimpeded. It's, it's just job security for Adam Gase at this point. Every week <laughs> gets extended by one. Uh, Eagles and Steelers as well. You got a bit of an up-and-down year for Philly. Uh, looking to right the ship against Pittsburgh. You also have Rams and Washington. Rams are solid. Uh, the football team, formerly known as the R-Words, uh, not so much. No, I'm not, worried. Not so I'm worried about Dwayne Haskins, boys. They posted a video today of practice footage, and it was obviously Kyle Allen, who they named the starter. The backup was Alex Smith, and they even had Steven Montez, yes, the former Colorado quarterback on the practice squad. <laughs> All three of those quarterbacks were taking reps. <sighs> Dwayne Haskins was not. Yeah. And that is, that's a dangerous precedent you're setting for a second-year quarterback to not get any practice reps. That's, that's tough. Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen have not been given good situations at all in the slightest. Who knows what they could have been with a slightly better situation, but yikes. Yeah, Washington in the danger zone for sure. Uh, Bengals and Ravens. This one has a little bit of an intrigue factor. You got Joey B facing off against Lamar Jackson, uh, but it is going to be an uphill climb for, for Cincinnati. But do you guys give Joey B and the Bengals a chance in this one? I, I'm interested to see how Lamar plays this week. He hasn't practiced much. We heard from Ian last hour with the, a sore knee, nothing structurally wrong or anything like that, and an illness. I'm guessing he'll be just fine on Sunday, but I think I read a stat that said Joe Burrow is the first rookie quarterback to throw for three straight 300-yard games ever in, in the history of the NFL. So it'll be tough to do it this weekend, though, against Baltimore. Yeah. That's just the thing. I think the Bengals' offense can move the ball a little bit, but I think that Ravens' defense is good enough to keep – most of the touchdowns off the board and the Cincinnati defense is not in a great spot uh, the last noon game to go through Jags Texans Bill O'Brien's been canned uh, <laughs> we'll see if Houston's fortunes will turn around maybe not uh, then at three o'clock and 325 got a few games Dolphins 49ers San Fran banged up um, but will that be enough for Miami to take this one I guess we shall see Austin's beloved Colts playing the Browns actually this one should be pretty good uh, give me the Browns though Austin shots have been fired um, <laughs> over the Phillip Rivers Colts where are you at on, on your team right now, Austin? I mean, we've, we talked a little bit about the Phillip Rivers experience on Top 10 Tuesday, but get, give us a gauge for where you're at, uh, you know, particularly with the offense. Uh, the defense is, is stout. They're good. We all expected it to be. But give us a, your, your Colts offensive analysis. A uh, quick note on the defense, Darius Leonard likely not playing. So Ooh, that's, that's no good. That's not great against a team that is really good at running the football with, with Nick Chubb in the backfield. So I'm a little bit worried there. Offense has been a mixed bag uh, at best, I would say. A lot of receivers have gone down again. It's been a thing for years now with the Colts. T.Y. Hilton's actually the healthy one, but he's been out of sync with Rivers. Michael Pittman Jr., their first draft pick out of the second round, is injured. He had surgery. Other receivers are down. Jack Doyle, the tight end, is out. Phillip Rivers is that first game in Baltimore tainted me a little bit. He, he did Phillip Rivers things, as I'm sure you You've loved to see in the past, yes. Ben, throwing interceptions, forcing throws, not making great decisions. But since then, he's been sneaky just fine. I mean, he's third in the league in completion percentage, hitting checkdowns, not doing anything spectacular, but not losing the Colts games. Jonathan Taylor is 
a rookie running back. He's been fine. He's had his moments. The Colts would like more out of him. And I was bummed when Marlon Mack went down. I thought he was primed for a huge year. I'm not necessarily worried about the Colts offense. I'm definitely not in love with it, though. Well, 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 that brings us to the, the final two NFL matchups of the weekend. You got Giants and Cowboys. Yikes at this matchup. Dallas should have a better record, but a future D is going to hinder them. Uh, the less said about New York, the better. And then in Sunday night football, you have the Vikings and the Seahawks. Uh, Seattle undefeated thus far. Probably a good chance to stay as that way Sunday night. Yeah, uh, but Carrie Underwood sings to us at 7.15 every yeah, Sunday. Bring it. Waiting all day for Sunday night. Someone probably tell Carrie there's some other games on uh, on Sunday as well. Uh, which brings she us does to, her job well, Tim. She does. Uh, very good stuff for Carrie. Uh, brings us to our minor sports. Well, at least minor, relatively speaking. Uh, you get the French Open, the final on Sunday, bright and early at 8 a.m. You can catch this one before the NFL action begins. Defending champ Rafael Nadal. In fact, he's won it three straight years in a row. Uh, we'll square off with Novak Djokovic, the Joker. Nadal's won 19 Grand Slams in total. The Joker at 17. Uh, Novak's just won the French Open just once. That was back in 2016, while 12 of Rafa's Grand Slam wins have come from the French Open. Who you guys like in this one? Well, I like I like Rafa because that's who I picked on by sell. Is this on the tennis channel or is this on? It one should of the be main on networks? ESPN. It'll be on ESPN, okay. I bet, at uh, 8 a.m. That's a or maybe NBC. Eh, it's it's on one of those. Austin, channels. get on it. Where where can we find this? I will get on it momentarily. Okay. I was just getting on my buy sell pick. I forgot which way I, I went with that question after. Uh, after we asked, I, I sided with Rafa as well. Hard to hard to pick against him when it comes to the the clay at Roland Garros. I I think it'll be a good one. I hope it goes five sets. I think that's always what you hope for. But I'll I'll side with Rafa. There you go. Uh, it's a uh, uh, pending pending uh, where we We're can do that. But move along, move along, Tim. Move along to the golf. The Shiner's Hospital for Children Open in Las Vegas will be the third and fourth rounds. Wrapping this one on Saturday and Sunday. Ben, are you worried your boy Bryson DeChambeau might uh, might nip at the heels of the leaders here and, and catch yeah, up? Yeah, I am. I am, and I hope he doesn't. There, there are more pressing things that I'll be interested in, in this weekend, but I will be checking the scores to make sure that he doesn't win periodically. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, there, uh, it's, Sundays are fantasy days, Tim, so I, I will not be as locked in as I was right. you know, for the Open or I will be any other majors or any other tournament that he's competing for, which hopefully is zero. Understood. Uh, understood. He is in sixth place at 13 under. It's a five-way tie for first place at 14 under. Uh, four Americans and a Scotsman, Martin Laird, uh, in that running. Uh, you also have NASCAR. I know you boys are big NASCAR fans. Bank of up. America Roval 400 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 1.30 p.m. on NBC. Actually, though, they're going to be lucky if they get this one in. Hurricane Delta in the area. Uh, even that, if they, they, they're going to get a lot of rain if they manage to avoid Hurricane Delta. Uh, anywho, it's round 12 of the Cup Series playoffs. Four drivers going to be eliminated from championship contention it's a 109 lap race uh I, I guess your guys interest levels for this one off the charts am i right or am i right uh it's off the charts just in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. no but i know there are a lot of nascar fans out there and uh hopefully for those you get the race in you can watch them racing as right. i say I'll, I'll watch about as much nascar as i will tennis which is on nbc exactly. nbc 1 30 awesome. p.m on nbc got it is the nascar uh, and we finish off with some UFC Saturday night on Fight Island, a.k.a. Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. You got Marlon Moraes of Brazil squaring off with the American Corey Sanhagen uh, for the bantamweight main event. Corey 12-2 and and 0 all-time, while Moraes is 23-6-1. Corey with the pretty significant height and reach advantage. He's 5'11 versus 5'6 for uh, 
for Mr. Mores. Uh, he also has the 70 inches of reach compared to the 67 for Mores. Uh, main car going to start at 7 o'clock. Are you guys going to stay up late for this one after the college football, cheering on uh, uh, whoever? Not a big enough draw for me no. in, the, uh, in the MMA. I do watch fights from time to time, but not too much interest in this one, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I'm not a guy that really even sits down to watch the fights. If, if my buddies get pay-per-view and it's on at the house, I'll sit there and watch a couple rounds, but not going to hold my interest. I watched Holly Holm. That was fun uh, last week. And those are some good, tough gals. Good. It's a good fight. Yeah, no, she, yeah I mean, that domination station. Terrified watching that, but also, yeah, it was good stuff. <laughs> Good, good stuff. And that ends the weekend Alrighty. preview. Thanks, Tim. Good work. Thank good you, stuff. sir. Appreciate it. A lot of, lot of things that you can watch. What better way to finish out the week than hand out some winners and losers of the week? Mr. Tim Curry, why don't you lead us off tonight? Uh, well, my loser uh, is bad punditry. I mean, everyone tearing apart my boy, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. I mean, they're, they're treating this event like it's a microcosm of his career. They're like, oh, the legendary QB uh, made a mistake. It's like, uh, he's, he's, he's a human. I mean, he's close He's close to a god as you can get, but he's still technically a human. He's 43 and still going <laughs> strong. Tampa Bay is still going to make the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Uh, my winner, though, of the week, how about Oklahoma State in their press release uh, pulling the lid uh, on this 2020 Golden Window thing. They made this thing basically official. They also called out the Big Ten at the end of their release for not <laughs> yeah. for not saying it's been official yet. So so good for Oklahoma State. That's how we found out about this Golden Window basketball tourney thing. Love it. Love it. Austin? All right. So I'll go with the Atlanta Braves for my winner. Made their first National League Championship Series appearance since 2001. Made it look beyond easy against Miami, who... I suppose upset the Cubs at six versus three matchup in the first round. I've, I've enjoyed watching the Braves. I think it's a fun, pretty young team. Good to see Freddie Freeman get his moment in the spotlight and their awards a matchup with the Dodgers. Certainly not an easy, easy matchup, but certainly one the Braves are more than happy to have signed up for. My loser of the week, just in general, kind of a loser, but especially this week with the allegations, Greg Marshall. Yeah, potentially big time soon, loser. Uh, potentially soon to be former head coach at Wichita State. Something about, you know, that family. At first, his wife gets ex- escorted out of the stands a couple of years ago. I would hate to be in the midst of an argument between the two of them at home. Yeah, absolutely. My winner is Husker football. I mean, they're able to throw the pads on this week, start hitting each other. First time since November, Nebraska has been able to put pads on and hit. My loser, the Tennessee Titans, trying their best to ruin football for the rest of us in the NFL. These unauthorized, supposedly uh, scrimmage. So, yeah, don't like that at all. Uh, Big time loser of the week there. That's it for us tonight. Thanks to all of our guests. Luke McCaffrey, Husker quarterback. Thanks to Zach Osterman, Ian Rappaport. Thanks to my help tonight, Austin Orman, Tim Curran. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday for another edition of Sports Nightly. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend.